It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Wednesday, May 15th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we're talking about the harm that is caused by abortion bans, even before they go into effect. Last week, an abortion clinic in Georgia made what it considered a necessary investment in a large royal blue sign to display outside of its offices. In bold letters, the sign reads, this clinic stays open. The clinic made this purchase in anticipation of Georgia Governor Brian Kemp's six-week abortion ban, which he signed into law on Tuesday. In the Georgia state capitol today, Governor Brian Kemp signed legislation that all but bans abortion in the state. Well, already this year, four states have passed so-called heartbeat bills, essentially banning abortions at six weeks before many women even know they're pregnant. I realize that some may challenge it in the court of law. I have one message for Governor Kemp. We will see you, sir, in court. This legislation, which grants fetuses with full personhood, criminalizes abortion after six weeks, which is often before people even know that they're pregnant. But even though the bill has been signed into law, it isn't slated to go into effect until January 2020. And it's important to note that it will likely face an onslaught of legal challenges that should block it from taking effect at all. But still, since the bill has passed, doctors have seen increased confusion and fear among patients seeking abortions. And we're already seeing that this confusion itself has become a barrier to care. So today, I've got reporter Marie Solis back in the studio with me to parse through what this all means. Marie, you're back on the show. I'm back on the show. Welcome back. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you are here to talk more about reproductive justice and what is happening in our country. To begin, will you explain what this ban could mean if it did go into effect? Sure. Well, I think the first thing that's actually important to emphasize is that it's very unlikely that it will ever go into effect. Mm -hmm. Um and I just say that up top because we're going to talk later on about how damaging it can be to have these bills that people think are immediately enacted once they get signed into law. Right. And that actually has consequences for patients seeking reproductive care. So no six-week ban has ever gone into law because they are blatantly unconstitutional. But, you know... Basically, as you said, um, most people don't know they're pregnant at six weeks. And so a six-week ban really is an almost total ban on abortion. The Georgia bill in particular also outlines 
a definition of fetal personhood, which we've talked about before on this podcast. Basically, the idea is that a fetus is a person and has the same rights as a person. And so once you start getting into that territory of fetal personhood, abortion becomes murder. And so Georgia's bill in addition to some other six-week bans, also include the criminalization of doctors who provide abortions, which then introduces the possibility of people who get abortions to be criminalized themselves as well. So really, a six-week ban, just hearing that, um, it is really restrictive, but once you start to unpack it, you start to unravel and reveal all of these other really dangerous restrictions that come along with that. Right. And as you said, historically, no six-week ban has ever gone into effect. They've always been followed and struck down by kind of long and messy legal battles. But what are the other states that have proposed similar legislation? Georgia is the fourth state this year to pass a six-week abortion ban. So it follows Ohio, Mississippi, and Kentucky, which have all faced very swift legal challenges to this legislation because, again, as I said earlier, it is blatantly unconstitutional. In Georgia, the Center for Reproductive Rights as well as the ACLU have both promised to file a legal challenge, though they haven't officially done so yet. But it's important to note that Georgia's law isn't slated to go into effect until January 2020. So in the months until then, there will be a very lengthy and costly legal battle that will happen over this law. And based on what we know historically, as we said, these laws have never gone into effect. We know it's very likely that the same thing will happen in Georgia. Right. And that really gets to the core of your story, which is that, you know, when this ban passed in Georgia, it didn't immediately go into effect. That's not how laws work. And so what we're seeing and what doctors are seeing is that since the legislation passed, patients and people seeking abortions are confused. They don't know what rights they still have, what rights will be taken away. Some people think that, you know, the fact that the law past means that they can't get abortions anymore. There's sort of this chaos around abortion in Georgia and in those other states you mentioned. And that's been sort of documented and noted by doctors and staff members at different clinics. Can you talk about what the confusion is all about? Yeah. Confusion is exactly the right word to describe this. So, I spoke to multiple abortion providers in both Georgia and Ohio, and they're saying that they've been getting tons of calls every day from patients who are confused and panicked about what kind of care they still have the legal right to access. Many of them are patients who already have scheduled their abortions and are calling and saying, do I still have my appointment? Can I still legally get this procedure? And there are some that are even asking things as extreme as, is abortion legal in my state anymore, period? So we're we're saying that these bills aren't enacted yet. They will probably be blocked. But the reality on the ground in these states is that that information isn't getting 
disseminated to a lot of the people who most need this care. Right. And your sort of thesis of your piece is that these laws don't need to be enacted in order to start causing harm. Obviously, more harm would be caused if they were enacted. But the stigmatization, the fear, the confusion that is coming from these bills, that is causing sort of on the ground harm to patients who are trying to seek abortion. You wrote about how doctors have seen sort of a downtick in people showing up to their appointments and people making appointments. Do you think that that's just because of the confusion? Or do you think that there's more stigma now that people maybe think it's banned? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. It's something I, I really pressed the providers I spoke to to answer. I guess, you know, it's worth emphasizing that these are anecdotal observations. So one provider I spoke to said, you know, there are all kinds of reasons why we might see a sudden downturn in the number of patients we're seeing on any given day or in, even in any given week. She said, you know, one week we realized that we had a noticeable decline in patients and we thought, oh, like school's out, maybe people are home with their children and aren't scheduling appointments during this time because they need to care for their children. Like that's one possible explanation. Mm -hmm. But more than one provider did say that they noticed that this downturn directly followed the passage of these six-week bans in their states. And they also mentioned that part of the problem may be the media coverage of this legislation. Mm -hmm. You know, just taking a quick scan through Twitter on the days that these bills were signed into law, you might see a headline that just said, Georgia bans abortion at six weeks. And, you know, I mean, Sophie, we read every news article, obviously. Yes. <laughs> um, but obviously, you're not clicking into every story. Right. Headlines are powerful. Exactly. And so you're not getting the extra information that this ban wouldn't be enacted until January 2020. You're not getting the information that it's likely going to be entangled in this messy legal battle that right. will strike it down. And so if you're a person who needs some kinds of reproductive care and you see that, that could very well just shock you into thinking that you can't seek out any kinds of care. Right. Absolutely. You know, we've talked a lot about sort of the effects of stigma on this podcast in relation to reproductive care and abortion. And one thing that you wrote is that, you know, one of the most effective tools that anti-abortion activists have at their disposal is stigma, creating stigma around abortion. And I think that banning something, saying it's illegal, it's criminalized, is the same thing as saying it's bad. And it makes sense that, you know, people would experience that much more stigma around seeking out abortion, even if they knew that it wasn't banned, but they understood that it, it could be. I think that's exactly right. And it gets to kind of the subtlety of of the harm that this legislation can cause. We know that most people don't regret their abortions. 
But that doesn't mean that the decision-making process is uncomplicated for people. There may be many factors that people are weighing when they're deciding whether or not to terminate a pregnancy. And the stigma that you're pointing out and, you know, the rhetoric of these bills that's talking about fetuses as people, that can really get inside someone's head. Um, And that's their point, right? Exactly. And kind of getting at the idea of the harm that that stigma creates. One of the providers I spoke to said, you know, it's important for me that my patients know all of the options that are available to them so that they're capable of making this decision for themselves and have it be the right one for themselves. She said, quote, patients should be allowed to consider all of their options and consult doctors to make the right decisions for themselves. But I wonder if they even feel all of their options are there. Right. And I thought that really got at how, again, without going into effect, without being enacted, these laws for some are totally eliminating an option that they have if they become pregnant and they're not sure what they want to do about it. Yeah, absolutely. And this law that we're talking about in Georgia is part of a wave of extreme anti-abortion legislation that we're seeing. Can you talk about what happened in Alabama on Thursday? On Thursday, Alabama legislators erupted into debate over a total ban on abortion that's being decided there right now because legislators wanted to remove exceptions for instances of rape and incest for this total abortion ban. Uh, So they're actually supposed to vote on this legislation last week, but because of the debates over this particular stipulation, they're voting on it Tuesday night. So by the time listeners of this podcast hear this episode, we'll know how legislators voted on this particular bill and if they sent it to the governor's desk to be signed. Right. And I mean, to your point, whichever way it goes, we know that there's sort of this confusion that will follow. In either case. Absolutely. What we're talking about with these six-week bans absolutely applies to all different sorts of abortion restrictions that we're seeing across the country. And I think an interesting case that is relevant here is what happened in Tennessee with Governor Bill Lee, who signed into law on Friday something called a trigger law. And you wrote about this in an even more recent story. And this bill would basically immediately ban abortion in Tennessee should the Supreme Court ever overturn Roe v. Wade. And, you know, there's a lot packed into that. But I think relevant to what we're talking about in particular is that this trigger law came after a six-week ban failed in the state legislature. That's right. So one thing that it's pointing to is, you know, in the anti-abortion camp, there's really not just one strategy. We're seeing this sort of multi-pronged approach, whatever gets the job done strategy. So that's one thing. The other thing is just trigger laws themselves and how they are becoming more and more common. Can you kind of parse all that through for us? Yeah, let's walk Let me walk you through that. Awesome. Thank you, Marie. (laughs) Um, 
So yeah, everything you were saying was exactly right about having a multi-pronged strategy to whittling away abortion rights. So, you know, like legislators in Alabama are trying to go whole hog on this. They are placing their bets, and this is a very particular strategy, but one that we're seeing more and more, the idea that by the time they appeal their unconstitutional abortion ban up to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court will be in a place where they want to take up their case and use it to overturn Roe v. Wade. So that's the strategy there. It's not even necessarily focused on the people who live in Alabama and kind of banning abortion for them. It's a way to kind of skip over the state level, even though it is state level legislation, and play this game with the Supreme Court. Right. And this is what we're seeing with six-week bans as well, which are, you know, until slash if Alabama passes this outright abortion ban, the six-week bans are the strictest ones that we're seeing right now. And that is the strategy there. But what you're pointing out in Tennessee is a place where activists in the anti-abortion movement start to diverge. So some legislators and anti-abortion advocates in the state say, we don't want to do that messy legal battle that's going to cost us a ton of money. And the lieutenant governor in Tennessee even said, I don't want to put money in the pockets of pro-choice activists by entering this legal battle with them. So they opted for what's called a trigger law, which you defined perfectly. It's a state law that specifies if abortion rights are overturned on the federal level, they'll automatically get overturned in that particular state. And Tennessee also specifies that should the Supreme Court decide that they want to return the right to states to decide whether or not they want to prohibit abortion rights, that would ban abortion in Tennessee as well. So the strategy there is to kind of delay the legal battle because we do know that there will be one right. should Roe v. Wade get overturned. And these trigger laws, which aren't just in Tennessee, but are in six other states as well, there will be a legal battle if if that happens. But you see kind of a cost-benefit approach that certain conservative lawmakers are weighing. You know, what is the benefit for us to passing a six-week abortion ban now versus having this trigger law. So they're counting on the states that are passing these six-week bans to do this federal strategy where they're getting up to the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade, which would then trigger all of these other laws. So these strategies really do work alongside each other toward the same goal. Right. They work hand in hand. And then, you know, on the other side of the aisle, I think it's important to note that as we see trigger laws becoming more common and these sort of extreme six-week bans in multiple states. We're also seeing other states, New York being one with the Reproductive Health Act, sort of trying to enshrine abortion protections in state law, also in case Roe v. Wade gets overturned. Can you talk a little bit about where you're seeing that happen and what those kinds of pieces of legislation look like? Sure. As you mentioned, New York has been a leader 
on passing legislation to enshrine abortion rights in state law. So in January, New York legislators passed the Reproductive Health Act, which repealed a criminal ban on abortions after 24 weeks. So that law, that criminal ban, was a remnant from a time before Roe v. Wade, when New York was actually one of the few states that had any abortion rights protected in the law at all. So we're seeing other states following suit and and moving to add abortion protections into their laws and constitutions, similarly anticipating the possibility that a day may come when we don't have Roe v. Wade. So we're seeing that happening in Rhode Island, New Mexico, Nevada, and Vermont. Vermont is actually the most recent state that has begun to advance legislation to enshrine those protections. I mean, it makes sense with abortion being treated so differently across state lines that there would be confusion around what rights people have and what rights people don't have. You know, and in Georgia specifically, we've heard a lot about sort of celebrities and Hollywood production companies boycotting Georgia because of the six-week ban. But I'm curious what some of the experts, you know, the non-celebrity organizers and activists that you've talked to think would be the most helpful in terms of kind of clearing or just preventing some of that confusion. What are people doing? How are people resisting and, and reacting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, most of them came back to the media's, our responsibility to cover this legislation accurately and emphasize all of these things that we've been emphasizing throughout this episode, that these bans are unlikely to get enacted, that there's never been one to have been enacted, and that there are, you know, civil rights groups and women's rights organizations that this is what they've been organizing for, is this exact situation. And, you know, they've been fighting these six-week bans and 20-week bans and all kinds of abortion restrictions for decades. Uh, So I think that the providers I spoke to just really felt that they needed to amplify the message that abortion was still legal in their state, that abortion was still legal after six weeks, that their clinics were still open. Right. Um, That's something that came up with the first staff member I spoke to from a Georgia clinic who said that their clinic just invested in this big sign to put outside their office that says this clinic stays open. So as of right now, just to reiterate, these (laughs) these bans are not in effect. Patients can still go and get the care that they planned on getting or that they may need in the future. And people are on the ground working to fight these abortion restrictions, which are unconstitutional. Thank you so much, Marie. Thanks, Sophie. You can read the full story at vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And make sure to tune in again wherever you get your podcasts for another Vice Guide to right now.